Well, we continue on this morning in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And this morning we're looking at verses 11 and 12. Wisdom is good with an inheritance and profitable to those who see the sun. For wisdom is a defense as money is a defense. But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Not everything that we read is going to come to us very clearly. That we can read it and not have to give any thought to it. That it's simplistic. There are deep truths. There are things that are said in a poetic kind of nature, uh, especially when it comes to wisdom literature. So we have to dig deeply because there is a mine of gold for us to have. And as we've been going through Ecclesiastes 7, you'll find as you go through this book that uh, Solomon is, is working on two sides. He's, he's giving us the view of man under the sun, that is the unconverted man, but also he'll lay alongside in so many places the view of the converted man. You'll see the, uh, the viewpoint of the worldly one, you'll see the viewpoint of the godly one. And as we've been going through chapter 7, we've found that uh, so far we've been seeing opposites compared with each other. The day of death is better than the day of birth. The house of mourning is compared to the house of feasting. Sorrow is contrasted with laughter. Wise men versus fools. The patient in spirit versus the proud in spirit. His anger passes through wise men, but dwells in fools. And then last, lastly, we saw the former days versus the present days. There is some kind of ideal that's in the mind of a lot of people that somehow life in the 50s was something we needed to return to, that kind of existence. But uh, there was no perfect time in our country or in our history or in any type of history. Uh, throughout the world. Uh, there are no days that we can look back and say, well, there was so much better than these days because that's to say that God put me in the wrong time. I should have been born back then when things were better. And that's questioning the providence of God. And it's like the weather. The weather piece people are constantly coming up with saying, these are the hottest, these are record-breaking temperatures, okay? Well, how long have you been keeping records? Uh, the records go back 80 years. So the records go 80 years, and yet there's been weather ever since the beginning. So to say that, well, you know, these are the hottest days we've had on record. Okay, on record's the key. And there were times when it was a lot colder. There were times when it was warmer. <clears throat> the, uh, the thing that we see constantly is change. And when we say, well, you know, those days probably would have been a great time to live, we speak out of ignorance because we did not live then. And we do not know everything that took place at that time. And for many of you who have aches and pains, just to think, if you were born before the 1920s, you had no aspirin. 
no ibuprofen, no things like that. You had to rely on a lot of different uh, folk type of medicines, if you will. Some were good and some were dangerous. Uh, if you had a cut on your leg, you might think of putting turpentine on it, packing mud on it. Things that we look at today and say, take for granted, we do not, uh, they, they just weren't available then. Grocery stores, uh, frozen food, just on and on down the list. Not too long ago, they weren't part of our reality. Now they are. And I think it's something we ought to be thankful for. In this section that we're coming to today, for the first time, there are things that you can have taking place at the same time who are not opposite each other. They can exist together and do so even positively. But then one will, in the end, be, end up being much better than the other. The first place we look at in verse 11 is wealth and wisdom. Wisdom is good with an inheritance. It's a splendid combination, wealth and wisdom. It can be also read as wisdom is good as an inheritance, but the context favors our translation. Wisdom is good. It's very good. It's given in the Hebrew a superlative. So in essence, we can say wisdom is excellent. Wisdom is very, very good. And when wisdom and wealth or riches meet in one person, it can be a wonderful union. In fact, I would go so far as to say as, as we get into this that the fact that there's an inheritance that is left is a sign of the wisdom of the previous generation. But wealth <clears throat> without wisdom. As Matthew Poole wrote, wealth without wisdom, it is like a sword in a madman's hand, an occasion to much sin and mischief, both to himself and to others. Think of how many fortunes have been spent in short order on obscene pleasures. Such was the case of the president's, I mean the prodigal son. Give me my inheritance now. And what did he do? He spent it all on riotous living. There's an earthly benefit for one who has wisdom and wealth. It is profitable. It works to an advantage to those who see the sun, it says there. Well, who are those who see the sun? The living. The living among us are the ones who see the sun. If you have passed from this life, you no longer see it. Speaking of frozen foods, the man who invented frozen food, it's a real name, Clarence Birdseye. That's where Birdseye frozen vegetables got their name. He came from a very wealthy family, from what I understand. And it allowed him to have the ability to go up to the frozen tundra where he lived for a while as a, as we would say today, a survivalist. But he was very keen scientifically in the study of things and 
And during that time that he was up there, he studied uh, the freezing of fish. And he learned in that time that flash freezing, that is freezing very quickly, allowed less air to be present and lengthened the amount of time that it would stay fresh. With that information, he returned to the States and applied that knowledge to vegetables. Now, if he were poor, this probably would not have happened. But because he was able to finance much of the research and the development, we are blessed with a major way of preserving food and feeding our nation and the world. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 14, there was a little city with a few men, with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it and built great snares around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that same poor man. Sometimes a wise man can be forgotten very quickly, but if, if there's this combination it has sometimes a, a lasting effect. Uh, a man who looks as if he's been living in a cave will probably draw fewer hearers than a man in a lab coat. The Proverbs 14 and verse 20 tells us a poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Luke chapter 16 and verse 9, Jesus said, the worldly ones. Well, let's, let's turn to it and, and see exactly what he said. In, in Luke chapter 16 and verse 9, it's a statement that almost makes us scratch our head. He said, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into their everlasting home. The worldly ones use money in the wrong way by hoarding it and accumulating it to their own good. The godly ones make friends by distributing it in the name of Christ. But in this passage too, we're being, it's understood that riches only do good for the living. It's only profitable for those who are under the sun, see the sun, in verse 12, for wisdom, Ecclesiastes 7, we're back to that, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 12, for wisdom is a defense, as money is a defense, but the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Wisdom is a defense, literally that word means a shade or a shadow or a shield. And wisdom is a defense, a shade, a shadow, a shield. Money can be a shade, a shadow, or a shield. But, and here we have the better than statement. That wisdom is better than money. It has more excellence. It has an advantage. Because 
The advantage of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Well, look how important this is. If we go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3 and verse 19. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, and by understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths were broken up, and the clouds dropped down the dew. And if we turn to the world through wisdom, by the wisdom of God it's created, it sees everywhere, it shows up everywhere. Now if we turn to Proverbs 8 and verse 22. Who is wisdom? What is, what is wisdom being pointed to here in, in Proverbs 8? The personification of wisdom points to that of Jesus Christ. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before the works of old. I have been established from everlasting, everlasting. From the beginning, before there was ever an earth, where there were no depths, I was brought forth. Where there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so the waters would not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, there I was beside him as a master craftsman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Truly, that points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we come to John chapter 1 and verses 1 through 5, you can't escape it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and then all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. So when we think of wisdom, we have to go back and think it's pointing us to the original picture, original Christ in his pre-incarnate form. Now we're told that wisdom is a defense. It is a shield. It is a shadow. It is a shade. If we turn to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. Notice the words in there. He guards, he preserves, and again, he preserves. Proverbs 18 and verse 10 tells us, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are safe. And in Isaiah 33 and verse 6, Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your time and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. So when we come back to where we're looking, the big difference between wisdom and riches is at the, in the end. It is wisdom that gives life to those 
who have it. What type of wisdom is being pointed to? What must be in view here? Well, it can't be worldly wisdom because worldly wisdom may help us in many circumstances. But it will not give life. It may prolong life, but it cannot give life. Turn with me back to Deuteronomy 32. I sensed this morning would be kind of a slow morning. So I figured the best thing I can do is have you turn to as many passages as possible to keep you on your toes. So Deuteronomy 32 and verse 44. So Moses came with Joshua, the son of Nun, and spoke uh, all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. Moses finished speaking all these words to all Israel, and he said to them, Set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe, all the words of this law. For it is not a futile thing for you, because it is your life, and by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which, uh, which you cross over the Jordan to possess. It is your life, the word. And so we understand then that the word and wisdom are in combination here to give life. He says all these words in verse 45 and in verse 46, all these words and all the words of the law. And then in verse 47, for it is not a futile thing for you. Why? Because it is your life. And by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. We can recall a time in John chapter 6. Jesus said some things in a figurative sense that people took literally about drinking his blood and eating his flesh. So a good deal of the crowd that was following him at that point found what he said was distasteful and walked away. But just before they did, Jesus said this in John chapter 6 and verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And after the crowd had walked away, Jesus looked at the 12 disciples in verse 67. He said, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And also we have come to know and believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Wisdom gives life. Wisdom is to be found, life-saving wisdom is to be found in the words of the Lord. The wisdom of the law is a good thing to have, very necessary, but the wisdom of the gospel is even greater. Some of you may 
when I say the name Andrew Carnegie, you might say, I've, I, I've heard that name somewhere. One time uh, in the 20s and 30s, he was probably one of the richest men in all of America. You can hear some of the things that he said. You can read many of the things that he wrote. And you can learn from him how to accumulate wealth. As he became a mogul in the steel industry. And you may become wise in gaining earthly wealth. And even the distributing of it towards the end of his life, he distributed over 90% of his wealth to different charities. Total of about $350 million, which would have been $5.9 billion today. And so his wisdom and his wealth, they work together to help. But you don't find in the words of Andrew Carnegie the words of eternal life. But the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God gives, it gives life. In this world, and in the one to come. In this age, and the age to come, as the word of God constantly reminds us, there's this age and there's the age to come. There are two ages, there's not three. In Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 26 we read, For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight, but to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, see now that I, I've said this before, now you're going to say I'm doing this on purpose. But it all fits together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. But of him you are in Christ, <clears throat> who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. I hope in reading this, and as every time you go through the Old Testament, and you see the word wisdom, especially godly wisdom, it'll make you think of Christ. It should. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all the things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man, which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of, of who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. How do, what do we mean by we know the things? We have gained godly wisdom. The things given freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. 
But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yes, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That is, we have wisdom of God given to us through our union with Christ. We are able to see the mysteries. The wisdom of God in a mystery that was hid, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But he says in verse 10, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. We are given the wisdom. It is of God's grace. And yes, we have wisdom at different levels and at different points of development at this point, but yet all of us have been given the initial wisdom of salvation, for salvation. It was years ago that Billy Graham wrote a book. The book was titled, How to Be Born Again. And while I can understand what I think he was aiming at, the title actually speaks of an impossibility because man cannot cause himself to be regenerated. He cannot cause himself to be born again. He cannot read six steps of how to be born again and then say, aha, see, I am born again now. The best you can do in a book such as that is speak of the effect. But you can't have an effect without a cause. And the cause is not man and what he wants to do. The cause is God and the giving of salvation by him. Jesus told Nicodemus, who was a major teacher in Israel at the time, a major religious figure, if you will. He said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus immediately went the route of, how does a man do that? He said, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He missed it. The great teacher missed what Jesus was getting at. The attempt to reduce being regenerated, born again, into some sort of steps and prayers just doesn't work. We go back to John chapter 1. I know through so often you run into John 3.16 and very rarely do you ever see anybody hold up a, I don't think I've ever seen anybody hold up a sign that said John, John 1, 12 and 13. Verse 12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. They didn't earn it. He gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name. Okay, that's the effect. 
They believe in his name. That's the effect. What's the cause? What's the cause for them to believe? Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's the cause. The effect is they believe, but the cause is the work of God in the heart of man. As Paul would say in Romans 9 and verse 16, so then it's not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. In that interview with Nicodemus, Jesus said to him, the wind blows where it wishes, and you can hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. If the wind is coming to us from the west, we can't be out there in the yard and say, ah, this wind was in Sanford just a couple of minutes ago. So everyone who is born of the Spirit. So no one can tell you how you can be born again. We can say you must be born again. We can say that unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. But man cannot put the Holy Spirit into a harness. I can't tell you how to be born again, but I can tell you what happens when one is born again. When you begin to see yourself as, as God sees you, that's when godly wisdom is coming to you through His Spirit, by His Word, because you begin to see yourself as God sees you through His Word. As His Word describes you. We talked about this, I think, Wednesday night a little bit, but this idea of people going around saying, well, you know, you know here, let's put this on your bumper sticker. God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. And people repeat that, and they sound it, and it makes it sound almost like, hey, this came right out of the Word of God. <laughs> you know what comes out of the Word of God? That if you sin in a certain way, say you're a thief, then God labels you. If you steal, he labels you a thief. You are identified in Scripture by your sin. And so therefore, that's quite a union that is put together there. Uh, just read where Paul gives a list of those who will not inherit the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Extortioners. Again, labeled by what they do. Adulterers, fornicators, all that. they are labeled by their sin. That, that separation that people try to make, you can't do it. You, because unless Christ removes your sin, you are your sin. And that wisdom that comes from the Word of God through the Spirit begins to bring conviction, a change of mind, a change of heart and a desire to seek and go for a true and only Savior, to see your real need of Him. 
you know, all through um, all throughout the, the South, especially during this time, there are there are camps, religious camps, and I'm not knocking them. Sometimes they do real good, but someone will give a gospel light kind of presentation, you know, L I T E, and then they'll have a bunch of kids come forward at the end and they'll say, ah, okay, now you've received Jesus. And they make it sound so simple because you came forward and you, you recited a prayer and now uh, you, you know, even Franklin Graham has commercials where he said, if you said that prayer, you're saved. No, not necessarily. Saying a prayer saved nobody. Jesus Christ saves people. And what did he come to do? He came to save sinners. So one has to know who they are before they go after who their Savior is. Uh, and so therefore, again, the wisdom of God coming in and enlightening the mind and the heart and Christ and his person and his work becomes your only hope of salvation. See, salvation's a miracle of grace. Therefore, it has to be a work of God. None of us can do a work of grace. Only God can do a work of grace. It's a work of grace that we receive, but a work that we can't cause. No more than we can cause the wind to change direction. But wisdom comes when what God does becomes known by the one who has received it. And that wisdom gives life. Let's stand together for prayer.